Well, good morning, everybody. It's uh, great to be here. Um, actually, it's my first time at the Hub since lockdown, and um, there's about a dozen of us in this room, but boy, I really sensed an anointing in the presence of God as we were worshipping and praising this morning. And um, all I can say is this, I can't wait until we're all back together again. I, I think it'll really go off when we're all in the same room, all praising and worshipping. So I'm really looking forward um, to that day and that time. Um, if you've been tuning in for the last few weeks, you'll know um, that we've been doing a message a series which has been called I Believe. And um, I hope you've enjoyed that. I hope you've been really inspired by that. Um, I hope God has ministered to you. I believe that for some people, um, he's really sparked some God dreams um, for you. Um, and, uh, you know, being part of a church family that is faith-filled and excited about the future is something that I, I just think is incredibly precious. And I remember when Anne-Marie and I, um, when we first visited the church 16 years ago, we visited on a Sunday morning. We had no intention of joining the church, but you know what captivated us? We, we heard a message from Bruce Monk, who was leading the church at the time. And the message was full of vision and it was full of faith and something really captivated our heart. And we thought, wow, how exciting it is to be part of a group of people who, who, who believe. And so I think it's incredibly exciting. I think it's great when you see um, a church on the move. I remember 16 years ago, I think Bruce was preaching to a room of about 60 people. Mark was there, Monica was there. And um, I remember the message. Now, think about this. This is 16 years ago. I've heard a lot of messages, but I remember the message was about vision and it was about faith. And Bruce was unpacking what he saw, what he saw for Equippers Church, not just nationally, but globally. I remember him talking about a church in the UK being a significant beachhead and something really captivated my heart and 16 years later we've been part of that journey, we've, we've seen things unfold, we know there's so much more to come but um, it's just encouraging to be part um, of a church that's got vision and has got faith and, and would say I believe. It's exciting to see personal testimonies and uh, uh, Matt's testimony about his job breakthrough is, is incredibly exciting. And I know there's a whole lot of people there who have got testimonies over the past few months. You know, we serve a God of the possible. Jesus said himself that uh, nothing is impossible with God. We know that. We love that. But, you know, what I want to talk about this morning is uh, maybe you're in a place right now where you would say, look, I've believed but I haven't actually seen what I've been believing for come to pass. Maybe you're in a place right now where um, you've listened to these messages and you'd say, look, I, I, I had a God dream. It, it matched all the criteria of a God dream. It wasn't man-made. It was actually a God dream. Something was birthed in my heart. I, I prayed. I, I fasted. People went on a journey with me. There were prophetic words spoken over my life. And, and, and I believed and I held out. But actually... Either nothing's happened, or maybe something has happened, but it really wasn't what I expected. Things haven't worked out as I've materialised. And, and I really want to talk about that this morning. And I saw a quote from Michael Maiden. We've quoted him already this morning. Um, he's a real friend of Equippers Church. He's really part of our extended family. And I saw this on his Facebook page, and I want to read it to you. It says this, One of the most difficult things in life has been those moments when I've come face to face with a shocking brutality of unmet expectations, when those things that you thought and believed would happen, didn't. And I believe that 
there are times when we actually just have to take stock and we just have to recognize, you know what, I was believing for something, but it's either not happened or it's not worked the way I thought. Maybe this morning you're, you're tuning in and, and, and you would identify with that. Maybe this morning that's you. Maybe you're saying, you know what, I, I believe for a business venture which I, I haven't seen come to pass. Maybe you're believing for that life partner that you've been longing for for so long, for so many years, but you haven't found that person yet. Maybe as a married couple, you've been believing for the gift of children, but that hasn't been your experience yet. Maybe your health isn't great, or maybe you're praying for somebody, and actually, rather than getting better, you're seeing the reverse of actually getting worse. Perhaps the ministry that you embarked on, that you believed for, just hasn't turned out the way you thought it might do. Maybe you've been praying for someone to come to know Jesus, but what you see right now is actually further away from God than they were when you first started. Whatever it is, maybe, maybe today you're at a place where you would say, look, I've believed, but I haven't seen it. And so you're in that place of, well, I've believed, now what? And that's the title of my message this morning. I've believed, now what? And I, I, I really believe this is going to help you this morning. Um, Really, this message is born out of personal testimony, so I'm, I, I, I live the points that I'm about to share with you. But what I want to share this morning is that we have a God who not only wants to comfort us, not only wants to console us, but we have a God who wants us to invite us once again to trust him completely. And so in a moment, we're going to look at uh, the story of Elijah um, but first of all, before we do that, I want to look at Romans 8.28. And I think there's something really significant about this verse for today. And what I want us to do is just settle in our hearts that this is true. And I'm reading it from the Amplified Version. It says this, And we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love him to those who are called according to his plan and purpose. This morning, I want you to know this and just allow this to settle in your heart this morning. That God is, number one, he's deeply concerned about you. And number two, that he has a plan for you. He's deeply concerned and he has a plan. Just let that settle in your heart for a moment before we move on. Okay, we're going to look at um, the account of Elijah. So if you've got a Bible, you might want to just turn to 1 Kings. And um, we don't have time to read the whole account, but what I'll do is just put it in a little bit of context and draw out the scriptures that I think are really important. It's interesting, James um, in, in his uh, letter says that Elijah was a man just like us. Um, Elijah was, for his season, God's chosen instrument. Um, he worked under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, but he also knew what it was to uh, deal with human emotions. And so he was an ordinary man, but working in the extraordinary. And really the context um, that Elijah finds himself in is the nation of Israel are being led by a corrupt and wicked king. In fact, the Bible says that Ahab um, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any one of his predecessors. To make it worse, he was married to a witch named Jezebel, who um, was a Baal worshipper. And um, really what they had done was to lead the nation of Israel away from the Lord 
and into, into Baal worship. Interestingly, Baal um, was the god, small g, of storms and rain, which is ironic given what we're about to read. Um, but um, the nation was in a bad way and Elijah um, comes to Ahab the king and he makes this pronouncement. He says this, there's going to be no rain until I decree it. And so for three years there's no rain, which means there's a drought and there's famine and there's hunger. And then three years later, Elijah returns back on the scene and he makes a pronouncement to Ahab and he says this, there's going to be rain. And he also says to Ahab, we're going to set up a jewel once and for all. I want the nation of Israel to know who is God. We're going to set up a jewel and you're going to bring all uh, the prophets of Baal and I'm going to be there. And basically, um, we're going to cry out to our gods and whoever sends fire will be the winner. So it's, it's really like this jewel. And Elijah sets it up and he says to Ahab, bring all of Israel. We want all of Israel to come and witness what happens. And so we know the story. Um, uh, the prophets of Baal for hours, they're, they're calling on their gods and nothing happens. And then, and then Elijah, Elijah prays. And this is a really key scripture. This is 1 Kings 18, 37 to 39. So just imagine, there's, there, there's the whole of Israel watching. The prophets of Baal have been praying to their gods and nothing has happened. And now Elijah prays. He says, oh Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O oh Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Then the Bible says immediately, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up a young bull, the wood and stones and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and they cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord, he is God. So just an amazing uh, scene. You know, it's one of those things that you, you, you kind of want to witness it, actually. Um, but um, notice a couple of key things here. Elijah's praying for two things. Number one, he's praying for the power of God to be demonstrated. And number two, he is praying that the nation would be led to repentance. So what happens? Yes, the power of God comes. And the nation of Israel, they acknowledge it. They say the Lord, he is God, but they don't personalize it. It's not like the Lord, he is our God or the Lord, he is my God. It's just really, it's almost a passive um, acknowledgement. And then Elijah prays for rain. And again, we know the story, so I'm just going to abbreviate it for you. He sends his servant up to the top of the hill and he says, what do you see? And seven times the servant goes up and on the seventh occasion, he comes back and he says, I see the, uh, a cloud the size of a man's fist. And Elijah says, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain and it rains. And often when we read that story, that's where we stop. Victory, triumph, you know, God has won through, um, Elijah was successful, and it, it, we all live happily ever after. But actually, that's not the case at all. Because Elijah goes from the miracle of Carmel on the mountain to the misery of a cave in just a matter of hours. Why? Well, the national repentance that he believed for, that he expected, that he, he thought would happen, didn't materialise. Elijah's hope that he'd been carrying around with him for years was that the nation would turn back to the Lord, led by the king and the queen. But what actually happens is that Jezebel sends out a warrant for his life. And so Elijah ends up running. And within hours of the, um, the miracle of Carmel, this is what happens. The Bible says this, that he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and he prayed that he might die. 
I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than any of my ancestors who have already died. Now, who knows, that's a dark place that he's found himself in. That is, a, that is the ultimate place of disappointment where actually he just doesn't want to continue on um, anymore. It's like he's saying, Lord, I believed, but now what? And I think that's a key question maybe for some, of, some people watching this morning. You've believed for something and you say, well, now what? So what I want to do is just give you four points this morning. Four points I believe are going to help you just in your journey to navigate from this place of disappointment, this place of unmet expectations, to a place again of trust and saying, yes, Lord, I can trust you again. Point number one is this, avoid isolation. The Bible said that Elijah left his servant and he went alone. He found himself alone under a broom tree. And um, my experience of being disappointed and feeling like a failure is that in those moments, actually, it's very tempting to go into isolation. Mainly, you feel like a bit of a failure, a bit of a flop. You don't really want to talk about things. You don't want people's well-meaning advice or, or platitudes. And so you can, the danger is you can tend to distance yourself. Also, you, you find it a little difficult sometimes to engage with God, because what do you say? You've been believing, you've been praying, you've been fasting, you've been waiting for something to happen, but, but then you're disappointed. So, so then what do you do? Well, that leads on to my second point, which is this. Express your feelings, or maybe put it another way, pour out your complaint, but don't have a pity party. See, Elijah had come to a place where he was isolated. He was isolated under a tree and then he makes it into a cave. And, um, and, and, and so what we find is God asks him a question. God says to him twice, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, when God asks a question, he's not asking because he is lacking knowledge. God's asking a question because he wants to engage. And that question, what are you doing here, wasn't just focused on Elijah's location. It was focused on what had brought him there. So it's not just what are you doing here in this place, but what are you doing, what are you doing in your emotions, in your, in your soul, mentally? How are you feeling, um, Elijah? And Jesus operated the same way. There's this wonderful account um, in, in Luke's Gospel where after the uh, crucifixion and resurrection, there are two of his followers, they're just on the road to Emmaus and they're walking on this dusty road and they're talking about all the things that had happened and they're confused and it's like everything has come crashing down and they don't understand it. And if you read the story, it's actually really quite funny because Jesus comes in alongside them and like we know that it's Jesus and they don't. And he gets into conversation and he says, what are you talking about? And they say, oh, well, the things that have been going on. And Jesus says, what things? Now, Jesus knows what's going on and they engage. But the whole point of that is that Jesus wants to talk to them. He wants to find out where they're at. And maybe this morning you're, you're sitting here in your room or in your garden or wherever you are. And, and you're in that place where you're saying, Lord, I believe, but, but now what? Well, 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 God might be saying to you, what are you doing here? And he just wants you to talk to him. He just wants you to pour out your um, complaint. And it's okay to do that. It's really okay to do that. It's okay 
to tell God how you are feeling. So um, Elijah does that. Now, if you read the text and we don't have time to, Elijah tells God what's been going on, but he kind of embellishes it a little bit, which is why I would say, pour out your complaint, but don't have a pity party. So you can identify the difference between just genuinely speaking about how you're feeling and a pity party. And I know that because I've done it. A pity party is when you start to exaggerate. A pity party is when it is all about you. But I think David gives us a great example of how we can just genuinely pour out our complaint to God. And it's found in Psalm 142 when he himself is reflecting on his time in a cave where he was being sought by Saul. And David says this, I pour out my complaints before him and I tell him all my troubles. When I'm overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. And then in verse four, he talks a little bit about his difficulties and how he's feeling. And then in verse five, he says this, and then I pray to you, O Lord, I say you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. I believe this morning, maybe for some of you, you need to come to that place where you can say, Lord, you are my refuge. Actually, you are all I really want in life. So point one is avoid isolation. Point two is express yourself. Point three is allow God to speak to you. Allow God to speak to you. Listen to the Holy Spirit, because I believe that this morning the Holy Spirit wants to re-envision you. He wants to either recommission you or commission you afresh. So Elijah's in this cave, he's alone, and God instructs him, he says to Elijah, go out, just walk out of the cave and listen for my voice. And so Elijah's obedient, he does that, he goes out of the cave, and the Bible says that there there was a, a wind, a mighty wind, it says that there was a storm, it says that there was a fire, it says that there was an earthquake, but in each one of those things, the Bible says, but the Lord was not in those. And then it says, then there came a gentle whisper. And it was in that gentle whisper that Elijah was able to hear the voice of God speaking to him. And here's my application. Sometimes when we're in that place of disappointment, when we're in that place of, look, I believe, but now what? We can allow the noise of things going going on around us to distract us. You know, in 21st century society, there's a whole lot of things that are competing for our attention. And so we're not going to find the voice of God. We're not going to find that uh, gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit in all the noise. We're going to find that just in the quietness, just in the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit. A couple of weeks ago, I just, I just wanted to spend some quality time with God. I, just, I felt that I needed to hear from him. So I took myself off to a secluded beach. I was there all day got a little bit of a tan, also got a little bit sunburnt. But what I was able to do was just clear the clutter, get rid of the noise, and I just sat on that beach for hours, just me, just my notebook, my Bible, and I just listened and I just allowed God to speak to me and he ministered. Sometimes we just need to take that time to get away and allow God to speak to us. See, I just believe that God is wanting to recommission many of you um, this morning. And the fourth point, the fourth thing, and this is so important, it is simply this, trust him completely. See, this morning I believe that God is wanting just to invite some of you again 
to trust him completely because you prayed, you fasted, you believed, but you didn't see what you were believing for come to pass. I just believe this morning that God is saying, look, come on, will you trust me one more time? You know, when we were leading the church in Brentford, we had the privilege of leading that church for seven years. And um, there was a whole lot of things that we were believing for. You know, interestingly, Brentford was voted one of the most depressing places to live in the 1970s. And um, actually, if you look at pictures of it in those times, it looked pretty depressing. There was massive old gas holder, there was tumble down buildings. It actually looked quite an oppressed place. And so we did a whole lot of research on that place. And I remember when we were leading the church, a whole load of us, we would week after week, we used to prayer walk around Brentford and we used to pray. And we believed, and there's a whole lot of stuff um, that we believed for. And you know, after that seven years of leading the church and our season leading that church came to an end, we just believed that we, our time was up and we felt that it needed some fresh vision, some fresh impetus, some fresh leadership. And there was a time when I look back and, and I was disappointed because, boy, I believed. We had prophetic words. We, we fasted, we prayed, we did all that we, we knew to do. But a lot of the things that were dear to our heart and that we believed for, we actually didn't see come to pass. And so inevitably that raises a whole number of questions. But I want to share a verse with you that has really helped me over the years. And it's uh, Hebrews 11.13. Hebrews 11, of course, is a, a great passage of scripture all about faith. And um, the writer of the Hebrews, he lists a, a whole lot of the faith heroes. He talks about Abraham. He talks about Isaac. He talks about Jacob, Joseph, Moses, David, Samuel, and a whole number of others. And this is what he says about them. He says, all these people died still believing. Note that, still believing what God had promised them. They didn't receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and they welcomed it. And you know, that scripture was, and still is incredibly precious to me today because I, I look back on that time and, and I know that that stuff that I believed for, that stuff that I prayed for, that stuff that I fasted for, that stuff that I, that I spoke and that I held so close to my heart, I might not have seen it yet, Still might not see it in my lifetime. But I believe that community and the communities around it will see those things that we believe for. So this morning, my encouragement to you is whatever it is that you've been believing for, I listed a whole lot of things earlier on. Maybe it's one of those, maybe it's something else, but whatever it is you've been believing for, can you this morning dare to say, Lord, I believe again. Lord, I accept your invitation to trust you once again. Can you this morning just begin that process of engaging with God? Can you begin that process of pouring out how you feel, pouring out your complaint to God, but knowing that he wants to comfort you? You know, we, we serve the God of the possible, but we also serve what Paul describes as the God of all comfort, who wants to comfort us in our difficulties and in our challenges. Maybe you're at home right now and maybe you're sitting on your couch, maybe you're in your garden. 
Maybe if that's you this morning and you say, yes, Stuart, I'm in that place where I believed and I don't really know what to do. Maybe this morning you'll just take that, that step. In a moment, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. But if that's you right now and you just need a little bit of fresh vision, you need a little bit of encouragement, can I just encourage you just to actually stand? Maybe you want to put your hand on your heart. Maybe you just want to close your eyes. Perhaps you just also want to put your hands in front of you. But really it's just a posture of saying, yes, Lord, I I want to receive. I really pray and hope that the anointing that I sense in this room right now is, is present where you are. Just allow me to pray for you right now. Dear Father, for every person who is watching this morning, who finds themselves in that place of saying, Lord, I believed, but now what? For each person with their hands outstretched or their hand on their heart, with their eyes closed, with an open heart, Lord, right now I pray that you will just minister your grace by your Holy Spirit. Lord, would you just minister right now your goodness? Lord, would you minister your faithfulness? Would you, God, just be putting an arm around each person? Lord, I thank you that your word says that you are the God of all comfort. And I pray in this moment that you will be comforting those who are struggling, that you will be comforting those who are dealing with disappointment. Lord, that you would console them right now. And Lord, as you do that, would you just be leading them to a place of fresh hope, of fresh faith, in Jesus' name. And if that's you, let me just encourage you just to continue in this posture. Because I just believe that what the Lord would love you to do is just while you're standing there, just aware of his presence, just say out loud, Lord, I choose to trust you completely. Without strings attached, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. In Jesus' name. I do honestly believe it is my absolute conviction that in this moment, the Lord is just recommissioning people. He is, he is speaking, just as he spoke to Elijah in that gentle whisper. When he recommissioned Elijah, he gave him three things to do. I just believe in this moment that the Lord is giving people recommission. He's, he's, he's allowing fresh vision to arise and hope to arise in people's front rooms, in people's gardens. Thank you, God. Thank you. Lord. If that's you this morning, I just want you to say, to stand where you are and say, I receive that. I trust you, Lord, and I receive it. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're watching this morning and you would say that you've never come to that place where you said yes to Jesus. You've never come to that place of making a personal commitment to follow Jesus for the rest of your life. Maybe today you've realize that you've been trying a whole lot of things and they just really haven't worked out. Your life has not quite panned out the way you thought it would. 
Maybe on the outside it actually looks good, but actually on the inside you would say you're broken. And you know, you know that actually something is missing, that there's a gap. I want to say to you this morning that Jesus is that gap. In a moment I'm, I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm just going to simply invite you to pray it along with me. And, uh, you know, it's a prayer that it, in saying yes to Jesus, you accept him, him as your Lord and your Saviour. It's something that I did when I was 16 years old. It's, it, it is the, the most important, profound decision you can ever make in your life. So if that's you this morning, you'd say, Lord, I, I want a new start. I know that I've done stuff I need to be forgiven of. If that's you, again, I just want you to just to close your eyes just open your heart. Maybe you want to just open your hands like I'm doing now and just pray along with me. Dear Heavenly Father, this morning, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for his life. I thank you that you sent him to die for me on a cross. Lord, this morning, I ask you to come into my life. I ask for your forgiveness for the things I've done wrong. And Lord, I ask this morning that you will envision me to live a life that is worthy of you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you said that prayer this morning, I just want to say to you, well done. The best decision you can ever make. Keep watching and uh, we're going to show you your next steps. If you said yes to Jesus today, we are celebrating with you. We would love to pray with you and send you a Bible and some resources to get you started on your faith journey. Please go to equippers.co.uk forward slash I said yes or follow the link in the chat box so we can get in touch.